We are back for another Codex Cantina episode, which is just two guys talking literature, trying to make sense of it. Now, we spend a lot of time pushing ourselves, trying to understand this literature, organizing it, and then bringing it to a conversational approach for how we deliver it. And we've absolutely put more money in it than we've gotten out of it. So if you guys are considering supporting this channel, we'd appreciate you checking out our Patreon link at patreon.com slash the Codex Cantina, as well as Ko-Fi of ko-fi.com slash the Codex Cantina. It all helps us in running the show, along with commercials, guys. So thank you so much. We're going to do a quick commercial break, and then we'll get on with the rest of the episode. Let's talk flowers today. A little bit of femininity. Why not? (laughs) I think... I'm not laughing at you. I'm laughing with you because I think flowers might be your favorite subject to talk about inside of stories. We have two <laughs> stories we're recording tonight, both about flowers. So this is this is my night to shine. Welcome to the Codex Cantina, where I am Flower Una. And I am just crypto. <laughs> You're blooming crypto. Oh, Bloomin' Crypto. Okay. (laughs) If you are new to the Codex Cantina, we take a conversational approach to the stories that we read. If you're down for some of the most important literature that has influenced even today's writers, hit that subscribe button to join us. And thank you to all of our Patreons who support what we do to keep the show running. And as always, we start off with publication information. Chrysanthemums by John Steinbeck was first published in October 1937 in Harper's Monthly Magazine, eventually be reprinted in a short story collection, The Long Valley in 1938. We'll leave a link down below where you can listen for free. Now, this felt to me, in terms of subject matter, something we've seen a lot of our female authors explore in terms of like, you know, Clarice Lispector and stuff. Wonderful writing. Now, her writing, though, is much more violent. It's aggressive. And we've seen that with, you know, Charlotte Perkins Gilman with the yellow wallpaper. There's a lot more violence behind it. With with Steinbeck writing The Woman's Perspective, it felt a lot more mellow, a lot more emotional. You kind of let the story wash over to you, and the undertones were very subdued, I would say, is kind of how the story felt for me. Yeah, I definitely agree with that statement. I think that it, he also brings some of his uniqueness of being a man, looking upon femininity, and how we kind of see the two blended together as we get into our analysis. And Steinbeck wrote himself, the story was, quote, designed to strike without the reader's knowledge. So let's move into our plot summary, make sure we're all on the same page, and then we're going to get into our discussion and analysis on what we thought about this. So in terms of plot in the fog of Salinas Valley, Elisa Allen, a strong, capable woman of about 35, tends to her garden of 10-inch chrysanthemums. Meanwhile, her husband Henry negotiates with several men to sell their livestock. Once the deal is over, Henry comes into the garden and tells her they'll celebrate and go to the moving pictures, have a dinner, maybe see the big fight. <laughs> Elisa exclaims, uh, I, yeah, I'm not really into that fight scene. Mm-mm. Later, Elisa is tending to her garden when a shabby man and a run-down wagon arrive. A tinkerer, a man who offers to fix things for work, arrives, and Elisa turns him down, saying that there's no work here for him. Eventually, the tinkerer begins to bring up the chrysanthemums and tells her a neighbor nearby could use them. And that does a 180 for Elisa, where now she's so excited and becomes very charged the way that she talks about the planting, the chrysanthemums, and the process of the proper way to raise chrysanthemums. Almost out of pity, the man can't eat. She says, okay, I'll hire you to to fix some things up, throws him a little bit of cash, and the man goes on his way. 
Now that night, she starts getting ready, putting on the, you know, the dress, the rouge, all the things that a lady would dress up with for a night on the town. And she gets ready to go out with Henry. And Henry's like, you look nice, darling. She's like, what, is, what does that mean? <laughs> so they head out for the night to Salinas. And on their way, she spots the seeds she had given the tinkerer discarded inside of the road. And he kept the pot. (laughs) (laughs) They talk talk again about the fight. And Elisa covers her face and hides as she sobs like an old woman and plot. Mm, Sad ending. If you know Steinbeck, you know it's going to be a sad ending, right? (laughs) Yeah, I guess that should be anticipated. Now, the opening to me is very much about separation. When we look at this opening line, the high gray flannel fog of winter closed off the Salinas Valley from the sky and from all the rest of the world. On every side, it sat like a lid on the mountains and made the Great Valley a closed pot. So we have the opening being very symbolic here in terms of a closed pot and the fog and everything building up this pressure. And that's very representative, but the valley concept here is very representative of uh, Elisa, I would say, in the story too, where she's got some internal pressure kind of building up and she's ready to explode and ready to have something happen. And even the the distance, right? The, f- the, high, the high gray flannel fog of winter closed off the Salinas Valley. Right. When we meet our protagonist, she is closed off as the men are off in the distance, you know, doing their business. She's in her own little garden. When the tinkerer comes along, he's a lone tinkerer, right? Nowhere around. He's, he lives that lonely life that's, you know, too difficult for a woman. So that idea about isolation and even communication and connection is important to the story, too, I would say. If we look at all the relationships between everybody, they're all isolated. And I think that Steinbeck is doing this on purpose to give each different idea or identity of each person kind of its own separate little world. We have Elisa with her own little world in the garden, we have the tinker and his little own world on his wagon, and then we have we have the husband in the world of business for the men's job. Well, and it's interesting that you bring that up because as soon as he's done with that sale in the beginning, she's startled when he, when he enters into her garden, which is rather interesting. You wouldn't think a wife would be startled by her husband. Maybe it could be nothing. Maybe he just snuck up on her. But maybe it's symbolic of that relationship where, like you said, they don't really communicate or cross worlds too often, right? And he comes in and he's like, hey, that gardening is nice. If you, were, if, you, you know, if you kept this up, maybe I'd let you do some apples, right? We have that <laughs> quote where he says, you've got a gift with things, Henry observed. Some of those yellow chrysanthemums you had this year were 10 inches across. I wish you'd work out in the orchard and raise some apples that big. Her eyes sharpened. Maybe I could do it, too. I have a gift with things, all right. My mother had it. She could stick anything in the ground and make it grow. She said it was having planters' hands that knew how to do it. Well, it sure works with flowers, he said. (laughs) (laughs) Kind of quickly brushing her off from doing the, you know, the apples, right? He's selling the cows. He's raising the apples. These are all commercial products, stuff that can be sold in the market that could be eaten for sustenance and such. And here she is relegated. Oh, you plant those pretty 10-inch chrysanthemums, right? Like, that's the woman's job. As a man, I'm going to do the important things that, you know, sustain the farm is kind of how I read this line. 100% agree. He is delegating her to play things where he's doing what really matters. And I think that Steinbeck has done this to set up why we see the growth 
of Elisa throughout this story and maybe that tidbit of why does she hide herself? Why does she isolate herself on purpose when we get to the end of the story? Or why did she even engage in this relationship with a tinker or how she was so easily manipulated by the tinker? It's clear Steinbeck is playing with with gender roles and maybe perhaps society's expectations for them. Because Elisa, like you said, is stuck in this one. And it'd be one thing just to have this world concept that we're coming up with, right? Like, is this really what the author intended? But man, Steinbeck lays it on thick, where he describes her figure looked blocked and heavy in her gardening costume. A man's black hat pulled low down over her eyes. And here we see several, you know, bulky, manly concepts being put on her. And again, the hat, what does the hat do? It covers up her hair, which a lot of times in literature and, and in real life is representative of a, of a woman's womanhood, almost like her femininity. It's uh, her hair and the health of that hair is very important to a lot of women in real life, too. And she's putting on a man's hat to cover it up. And there's other examples in the story as well, where she is called handsome. That's definitely a adjective that you're going to use to describe somebody more in a masculine terms. Otherwise, you might use beautiful. He uses nice instead of, you know, gorgeous. So obviously, he's kind of playing down her beauty a little bit to make her seem maybe a little bit more homely can you imagine if your wife's like how do i look and you're like you look nice (laughs) oh i learned that lesson no i I learned that lesson because i use the word fine and she'd ask how do how do i look i'd be like oh you look fine no you do not you do not no you need to go above and beyond and so it's those kind of very basic words those vanilla words that really do make a clear distinction of what steinbeck's trying to do here Well, even Henry makes that mistake where she's like, what do you mean nice? (laughs) And he's just like... (laughs) I chuckled at that part because I had that complete conversation before. (laughs) Well, and then Henry puts his foot in his mouth even further where he's just like, "Uh, I mean, you look strong. You look happy for once. (laughs) Like, like, oh, you finally look happy, honey. This is great. You always look so grumpy. (laughs) I think this comes back to your point earlier of that they don't obviously have a good communication set up between their relationship because he has no clue how important the chrysanthemums, the main key point of the story, it's the title of how important they are to her. And that it isn't just something that she does to abide her time as a good little wife, that this is something that she, you know, is important and relishes in that that is something that's meaningful to her. And he just tosses it aside like it's not important at all so obviously there is some strife between these two and he's setting up those gender roles beautifully in this story i wonder too if you know the chrysanthemums are are relegated to the status of like this is something to keep my wife busy i wonder if the way that she was trying to make a sale with this gentleman and even try to use the chrysanthemums to show value like to, to to give to the neighbor and stuff like that um, I was wondering if he was trying to show that this might be an economical play, too. It, it didn't seem like it was the strongest point. But I think what we what we can come to agreement on is is Elisa has a hard time, I think, saying what's her purpose or what's her value to this world. Yes, I would agree with that statement. She's trying to find her self-worth. She's trying to find her place in the world that doesn't include her husband or her family, but her own self-identity. And it's not just the husband that's playing these questions to Elisa. It's also the tinkerer, right? Again, there's that theme of loneliness, a lone tinkerer. And he's just like, you know, I don't I don't think, you know, going around by yourself is a good place for a woman, right? You're probably not as good with scissors as I am, right? Like, 
let me fix those pots for you, honey. I'm a tinker. I can do this work for you for some money. And Elisa's trying to make that argument of, I can work with scissors too. I can, I can clean my own pots. And, and the conversation isn't going anywhere because it's almost like they're butting heads. But how does the tinkerer finally get past that gate? Now, this is where I think that the Tinker is a master manipulator, and he recognizes something very quickly that Henry does not, and that's that the Gersanthemums are the gateway to forging a quick relationship with Elisa. And he's like, oh, but I know Gersanthemums. And then she, you know, brightens up immediately. Right. Uh, brightens up is, a, is an interesting word. I would, it got rather sensual in that scene, the way she starts talking about <laughs> about those flowers where it's just like oh elisa calm down goodness girl <laughs> you want to talk about some yeah uh so for me i thought immediately oh this is why she's crying at the end is that she cheated on her husband but i don't think there's a lot of validity to it but that's immediately where my brain went and because of how mm. sensual she was and some of the key words that steinbeck mm. uses in that interaction with the tinker i thought oh okay that's why she's crying but i think that as we kind of had our discussion here uh we'll, we'll find out that might not be the case yeah that's an interesting interpretation it's hard to back it up in the text like you said but we have even critics talking about the story of william soskin he said it was weak with obvious sexual symbolism <laughs> and uh yeah I, I it's hard to miss it right in terms of like the long scissors the way she digs her fingers into the ground and only knows it with her fingers and stuff like that that it got it got pretty intense in that scene right but that's the only allowed... way that further this could have been is if he started writing something about them getting all sweaty and dabbing their brows. <laughs> it, it was something else. But then, you know, the tinkerer's role was to say, I think, to manipulate her, to get the one up on her, where that's her problem is she's constantly being one upped by something. The man that owns the land and, and, the, and the deals that's happening with the cattle, the tinkerer who manipulated her and threw away her offerings of the blossoms and such. Um, she's constantly being having a hard time finding that equal footing in a man's run world in this Salinas Valley in this era is what I would say. I would agree with that. So in terms of flowers, okay, oh, we're here, baby. We're here. Oh, I love, <laughs> you were waiting for it. You've been waiting 20 minutes for it. <laughs> oh, yeah. And I've, and I trust me, I've got these flowers down. I love chrysanthemums because we've talked about it in some other videos, but we talked about it with an EU author. Okay, chrysanthemums mean something different in some EU countries. They mean something different in Japan, which we can talk about in another time. Right now, we got to talk about the US, okay? Because <laughs> we're not talking about mourning. You're okay. totally Lisa right now, and I'm Henry. <laughs> <laughs> Just... Dude, this is interesting stuff. So here, let's kick it up a notch. You ready for this? The okay. flower color of chrysanthemums matters too. You'll notice in the opening paragraph of this short story, they mention what color twice? Yellow. Yellow. And what color are her chrysanthemums? Yellow. And she's also got some white ones, too. Yeah. Right? I pictured them all white until I, I realized that I went back and reread it for the yellow. I don't know why I always go to white. Yeah, well... It they, they did mention the white in the story. You probably picked up on that. But yellow is kind of laced a couple times throughout the story. It's kind of an important color because of the meaning, right? Okay. If you had, if you had, red, chrysan if you had red chrysanthemums, that would change the total meaning of the story where it'd mean red, like, like passion. And then maybe, okay. maybe then we'd be looking for like that cheating concept that we saw earlier. But that's not the color set that Steinbeck gave us. Okay, this so hit me with yellow and white. Obvious. 
So yellow means sorrow or a scorned love. Oh. White means loyalty in the U.S., okay? So let's think about this. How did the two men expect or want, or what did the two men, I should say, want out of these chrysanthemums? To use them as a manipulation tool. Well, no, that's what the tinkerer did, right? So they used yeah. them differently. The tinkerer wanted to manipulate her. And what did he do? He got her all riled up with like that sensualness. And yeah. that's, when he, that's when he struck as the, as the salesman to get those yeah. yellow flowers, and, and then he discarded them, a.k.a. he's the scorned love, just like the yellow flowers in Elisa's garden. Okay, now, so Henry is the loyalty then. And Henry is the one that is the loyal one, right? He's kind of like grooming her towards specific angles. Like, well, you know, hey, maybe one day we'll let you do the apples. But he's he's there for her, right? They go out on these dates and that sort of thing. And uh, he's very loyal to her in the sense, too, of he doesn't want her to change, right? Like there's that one quote where he says, now you're changed again, Henry complained. So this kind of spoke a little bit more to that white chrysanthemum meaning of he's loyal to her in some regard as opposed to the yellow one where she was scorned by the other man. So that kind of brings us to the end of the story, right? And there's probably a lot of different interpretations and I'm sure scholars and people, but what did you think of the ending with her turning away and crying? This was very subjective for me. They had that talk that I had a hard time making value of where they talk about cutting down the bloom right before, you know, a particular season, so that way it grows back even bigger, right? That she's got them 10-inch chrysanthemums, right? We gotta listen to her. <laughs> I, I I took this as actually more of an empowerment moment where we are getting a vignette of the moment where Eliza is where Eliza is cut down before her chance, right before she was about to bloom, right? She didn't get her chance here. She was cut down just like that flower. I think we're meant to believe in the future, she's going to come back stronger. She's going to have her big bloom day is one of the ways that I would potentially look at it. But it's still a sad moment when you do have to cut that flower before it has that chance to really show its true colors. Yeah, I agree with that. For me, I guess the the turning away kind of symbolized that that relationship with her husband isn't strong enough that she felt comfortable crying in front of him. But I also think it was something personal as well, is that she herself kind of sees it as... I'm I'm wilting away like my flowers. I am no longer the strong, vibrant young woman that I once was, that I'm kind of aging out, so to speak. And I think that the chrysanthemum being, you know, a flower, a live passion, all those things, maybe we don't have the right color in there, but something that's that's living and here for her, she is past her prime. And I think mm. that, that she's saddened by that because the tinker didn't want her. Her husband doesn't share the same, you know, interest that she has. So it's very, very rough for her. She was crying weakly, like an old woman, right? So it, that makes you question, is she an old woman or is she just acting like one? Is, is her feelings being treated that way? Very interesting way and very open to interpretation, to your point. We're going to leave a playlist down below where we have tons of other Steinbeck's stories and talks that we're going to do we're in the middle of east of eden right now we're looking forward to pushing out some talks on that and again if you guys are interested in supporting us we'll leave some patreon links down below now crypto let's move into our very subjective ratings on what we think of this story and what it meant to us 
Sorry, I have my dogs around me. The thunder is crazy, so I apologize if the sound quality isn't up to snuff. Um, the dogs are going nuts, and so if you hear loud breathing, they're really scared because it's crazy. Uh, for this story, I'm just going to give it a solid, I think, five. Um, I think that it's a great teaching tool. I love the use of the the symbology for the chrysanthemums. I love the perspective of a male on some femininity issues. Uh, I think that it could be very useful for a ninth grade literature class class, maybe, you know, an eighth grade advanced literature class, get you into Steinbeck. It's not very long. It can be useful. Um, but for me, it, it wasn't greatly enjoying. There was a couple of the chuckle parts there, but with the sad ending, um, yeah, I just, I, I, I wanted more, I guess, out of it. And maybe if there was a part two of what happens after the date on the next day, <laughs> the best line in this is still got to be the, Oh, you look happy, honey. <laughs> Like, and, and you could, you can imagine that, right? Like, what do you mean? <laughs> I don't look happy all the other times. <laughs> what you is can that imagine how this conversation would go down with <laughs> Mrs. Una. <laughs> oh boy. Yeah. I don't, I don't think she would like that. Uh, I'll go with maybe like a seven. I'll say seven out of 10. Uh, to me, this is very clean as is all Steinbeck's writing. Steinbeck's writing is just, it's like fine wine. It, it just goes down so smoothly. Uh, same thing for me. It didn't hit me uh, emotionally the way that perhaps some of the other stories that we've read that have dealt with a similar theme. But uh, as always, you know, let us know down below if there are some things that you would like to have seen discussed that you felt like we kind of shied away from, or perhaps some angles that might have made it more enjoyable for you. We'd love to hear from you down below. Guys, we post videos every Monday and Thursday. We'd love to hear from you and see that so you hit that subscribe button to join us on the journey. Una out. And we're doing a new thing since we have our Patreon up and running. We're going to do a random shout out uh, throughout the month for different videos. And we have one Patreon now. So we're going to go ahead and give her a shout out. Leslie Smith is our first patron from the Nerdy Narrative. So thank you. We appreciate all your support. We'll leave a link down in the description below where you can join Patreon for our two different tiers. Thank you very much. Peace. <laughs>